0: Hi, everyone. Ben here. This episode of Exponent was recorded back in February. Uh, At the time, this was going to be the podcast for Stratechery, but uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, we thought we were going to have to put it off for uh, up to a year. Uh, Fortunately, those have been worked through, and we are back together and moving forward. So we wanted to release this for... For folks to catch up on the backlog but keep in mind some of the stuff we mentioned is a little old a little out of date but i hope you enjoy it and still find it interesting a lot of it is still very very relevant anyhow thanks for listening and have a great day hello ben how's it going james very well. How are you? Uh, good. So we're, we are recording our the second uh, podcast of Exponent, uh, despite the fact we have not yet created a website or published uh, the first one. So I Details. think we still, yeah, I think we still have a wager going on as to whether it's going to ever see the light of day. Okay. Um, uh,
1: who's on which side? Out of interest.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I think we keep switching. Um, so I'm Ben Thompson. I'm the author of uh, Strategery, and uh, you are
1: James Olworth. I'm director of strategy at Medallia. And formerly of uh, the what is it the Center for Innovation and Growth at? the Forum for Growth and Innovation at Harvard Business School where I got to work with Clay Christensen Very which cool. was quite the thrill And yes, yes and uh, and so I I went to Kellogg so I, I actually I made one of my
0: unfortunate and remarks in the last podcast about uh you know quote unquote business school being a scary word and consultants and whatnot intact um, and it's funny because when I, I never considered ever going to business school uh for me having lived in taiwan and done lots of like non-traditional jobs it was kind of the you know shortest quickest route to adjusting in the us job market um, but i mean i full disclosure i had a great experience and it's funny because i you know i sometimes talk, joke to my wife like you know uh, you know why why couldn't you have started you know a blog like four or five years ago who knows where things would be and you know i think it could have been interesting but i, I almost feel like what it's two things one is like because i came in with not being from that world i feel like i got way more out of it out of business school but then two like i think it's a lot of the insights and like frameworks there that hopefully makes what i'm writing about interesting um you know i think it, it as with anything to paint
1: a broad brush is always a mistake Right. I mean, it's also really interesting looking at things at the intersection of two fields, and so much of so much of this is like like having these in- insights and frameworks from um, the business world um, from people like Clay, who I think it would be fair to say we both respect a lot, just gives a lot of insight into some of these things that are happening in the world at the moment.
0: Yeah, it almost feels like the the where where people go wrong is, is exactly that when they're like. Monofield, monofieldic, if that's a word, like so. If you, if you like, the worst sort of MBA is the guy who comes out and has all these quote unquote frameworks and thinks he can apply them to anything and be successful. Um, And that's where you get the stereotypical person who thinks they know everything and actually knows nothing.
1: But on the the flip
0: side, you you have all these like startups that don't have a clue about like uh, marketing or product market fit or making money. Um, And it's the same thing, like how much capital and stuff is burned uh just by people like not doing the basics of business um right so it's funny i, I think and probably the most strident criticizer of the other are the people who are most guilty of the
1: of the flip side i think that is a very good point and i also think that point about monocultures is absolutely right as well but that's a whole nother conversation
0: well it's, it's certainly one that um has been you know a, a big question i think with the and with what's happening in San Francisco in particular. But, um, well, and it's interesting because uh, I always have a, I don't know, it's weird just because I don't live in San Francisco. Um, uh, you know, I have briefly, but most of my career has been spent outside. And I always wonder, like, what, you know, there are certainly disadvantages to that. Um, you're less, you know, you're, you're less plugged in. It's a lot harder to connect with someone. You actually have to schedule a time. Um, you can't, you know, there's no you can't meet a coffee shop It's maybe Skype or something along those lines. And Um, and
1: so much of the Valley works like that too. So much of it is in person.
0: Right. No, exactly. Um, But at the same time, like, I don't know. I I always feel like I've gotten so much out of not being in it. Um, You know, just like a lot different perspective on stuff. Um, I mean, I grew up, like I was the only person in technology. Like that still remains the case for all my friends and family from, from school. I mean, it's, in some respects, like, yeah, I got them as I got a later start than people who kind of grew up around computers and stuff like that. But um, at the same time, like, I feel I have a much more kind of deep appreciation and understanding of how, like, normal people perceive, perceive this stuff.
1: Right. I, I mean, I, I think I would say the same thing. I think most people could tell based on my accent that I'm not originally from around here. But I have to say it's been absolutely fascinating being here the last 12 months. And even – even in this short period of time, you can start to see things changing. Now, I I don't know about you, but part of the reason that I love technology so much is its ability to solve these really big problems. And what's interesting about Silicon Valley, at least in the last little while, is it feels like to me, I mean, there's definitely a gold rush going on and it's, it's starting to change the types of people who are here. I, I mean, and again, this is with a limited sample size. I haven't been here very long, but you can even see it in the in the discourse that's happening out here. Um, you can see it in the way people are talking about the problems that they're tackling, but also the problems they see in the city, um, the problems they see in society. And, you know, Ben, it's it's. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it kind of troubling. Yeah,
0: well, it's funny. I mean, this is a... Um to, to uh, jump back to the business school thing, uh, you know, it, it, like MBA is going to Silicon Valley has skyrocketed uh, to the way it hasn't since like the late 90s. And, yeah, um, right. And which which, is, which deep deep is terrible. I, I don't want the, all, you, all you people who were not originally interested in technology, don't come. You're solely, right. you're solely That's a- our bad name.
1: There's a there's a there's a joke that runs around Harvard Business School, which is basically if you want to start a hedge fund, do it and short whatever industry too many Harvard MBAs go into <laughs> because that's a surefire way of saying that there's um you know that there's the potential for a bubble. And you know, I I think I mean there's there's a lot of truth is said in jest, and I think that's one of those instances, but it's kind of concerning seeing the way that it's changing out here. I mean there's so much money floating around and I'm not talking on the individual level. I'm just talking in terms of chasing investments and that, that obviously starts to filter down into the people who are, are working, chasing down, chasing down these problems. And, and, you know, like they're doing quite well. And it's interesting, the type of people that are coming out here, it's starting to, it's almost starting to create a monoculture in and of itself. Like, and I, I've been doing a bit of thinking about this, and the way I describe it is it's, it's not a monoculture of diversity, though, I mean, that in itself might be true, and there's been a lot of press about that, about diversity in tech. But I wonder if it's actually uh, like the, the monoculture that's emerging is one that's even worse than that, and it's a monoculture of opportunity, and it's only people who've been really lucky in the past who've like, of course they've worked hard, but they've seen, they've been lucky time and time again, um, who are able to, to, to come to this amazing place because, you know, rents are so high and, you know, um, the, the types of people that, um, that are here, it's all very network based. And, you know, you went to school with the right people and so on and so forth. And it's getting to the point where it's very hard for other people to crack into it.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> we we just uh, unlocked a, a Pandora's box to be sure. Um No, I think it's it I mean first of all, I'm not there, so I can't comment specifically on the way things are, although you know, I try to come back every couple of months. Um but I, I I mean I think this is it's funny because this is one of the most um fraught yet obvious arguments in my mind. I guess the reason that I the fact that I think it's obvious is why it's fraught because people on the other side think it's obvious too but um you know it, just take it back to the very very basics like if you were born in the United States um versus being born anywhere else in the world you have an advantage because you don't need a green card like that's can we agree on that i think most people can can that's pretty that's pretty black and white um right Okay, so let's let's take a step further. If you were born to someone, you know, to a upper-middle-class family versus a a lower-middle-class or blue-collar family, um, you likely got a computer at an earlier age. That's an advantage. Um, And, like, there's – you can kind of, you know, go down this path. And, you know, I think where it gets trouble is people, like, feel – they feel a little – resentful i mean it's like like why why are you saying people want to feel that their success is due to their hard work and it is um and that doesn't it doesn't take away from that to say that uh you relative to other people might have had a little bit of of a head start
1: yeah and i I mean so yes i I i couldn't agree with you more and um i think it's what's easy what's easy to see is that well, no, it's not easy to see. I think that's unfair. But what's happening out here is there's such a a bias in terms of the, the the or selection bias that's happening. It's it's so much it's so much skewing towards people who've had these opportunities that they that they just assume it's easy to assume that the people who are here and the reason that they've done well versus the other people who are here is because they work that little bit harder. And you don't even see that the people who the people who didn't even have a chance in the first, in the first place, they didn't even have an opportunity to, to give it a go and make it out here. And I, I think that's increasing. But even more than that, what's, what's bothering me is that, I mean, again, one of the reasons I'm here in this place is just because it's dealing with such interesting problems. But as that, as that selection bias increases, well, the way that, the way that the Valley works, or at least to my mind, is that it's a big problem-solving machine. It takes problems, it applies technology to them, and it solves those problems. And the nature of the problems that the people are tackling here are starting to change as a result of that sample bias because they're only – I mean, for, for want of a better word, want of a better term – they're solving first world problems because those are the problems they see on a day in and day out basis. They're the problems that they and their friends have. And less and less um, are people out here being exposed to some of the the. Um, there was a, this awesome MIT Tech Review article or MIT somewhere around there about big problems with little b, little p, things like, you know, homelessness, things like, um, uh, you know, uh, unemployment among um, uh, 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 people above 50, things like the veterans coming back from two world wars. Like you just don't see th- that kind of thing around here as much as, as you used to. It's just so, being sampled out, right? But
0: how much of this is a Silicon Valley problem per se? I mean, the sampling problem exists exists in, in all kinds of places. It exists in finance. It exists in big business. It exists. I mean, like right. it, it, any sort of any sort of place where there is any sort of subjective criteria, um, any place where there is an interview process to mm-hmm. choose an easy example is by definition going to have a
1: selection bias. Like so, I. I agree. I totally agree. Um, I guess, I guess this goes back to something we talked about earlier, and I think that both of us have this. Uh, there's probably an idealistic streak that runs through us, and I also suspect it's something that runs through a lot of people who come out to the valley. And what what worries me is that. This place falls short of reaching its potential in terms of the impact it can have on the world because the types of problems—if it's a problem-solving machine—but what the, the the what's feeding the problems are are the experiences that the people who are out here, uh, they have and they've had in their life. But if they're if the only people who make it out here are, are people that are. That have always had lots of opportunities. That there is some that that will result in some really big problems. That the Valley could have a huge outsized impact on. That it doesn't because we've never experienced them. Like we've been insulated from them. And I think that's what that's what differentiates this conversation about technology in Silicon Valley from, say, finance and Wall Street. Yeah, of course that's important to get right. And you don't want your bankers running off with people's deposits or, or writing out loans to people who um to people who can't afford them but that's that almost feels to me a problem of regulation whereas this is like you're you're fundamentally resulting in this amazing place falling short of its potential because it's not it's not tackling the big problems where it could have the biggest impact
0: so it's not that i disagree with you're saying but my own my main issue is i feel like this is kind of like the ongoing lament like like it's always the new problem it's been the new problem for every year for forever and you know five years ago people were saying oh we're sick of social apps we're sick of messaging apps we're sick of photo sharing apps when in the just in the last couple of years we've had like something like snapchat or line or something like I'm not all Silicon Valley developed actually funny neither of them were um, but the, the point is like every time I feel like people say oh innovation is dead or, or we're focusing on first world problems um it ends up playing out to not be the case. Uh, like it's almost like the canary in the tree, you know, as mm-hmm. opposed to being in in, in the coal mine. <laughs> um, and you know, in the in I guess the the what I would challenge, what I my question for you is, you you think that there's a problem? Well, it, w- you're stating a problem. What is the solution? And if there isn't a yeah. obvious one, given the fact that things have Turned out pretty
1: well for going on a few decades now. Um, is it really? Is it really a problem? Yeah. So, so what you're saying to me is that I'm not allowed just complain about it. <laughs> well, it's well, the problem is not just the complaining about it.
0: I mean, I can complain with the best of them. The problem right. is that people Let's have been making. Something. Well, it's not just that; is that people have been making this complaint for a very long time. And to be perfectly frank, they've, on balance, been wrong.
1: Like- yeah. So, so the question then is like, has something changed? Like, has has whatever's happening out here right now has the zeitgeist shifted in favor of entrepreneurship and building businesses, and the fact that there are more of those MBAs and more people coming out of college heading out here changed something or, or is, is something else changed something that's caused those things to start happening? And is that fundamentally resulting in the Valley starting to focus on, um, a different problem set than it used to. And well,
0: I'm going to, I'm going to shorten and package that a little bit. If if you please. don't mind, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that it's right now, it is so expensive to, to make it in the Valley, that the only sort of people who will even be there are rich and well off before they even got there. Um, yeah, relatively. So it, I, won't,
1: I won't even I, 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 expensive and exclusive. So there's different forms of wealth, and one of them is material, but another one is in terms of education and so on and so forth. And it ends up being this for for people like that. It ends up being this amazing virtuous circle where they have all these opportunities. But then the problems they come out here to tackle are problems that they and their peers face, as opposed to problems that. You know the people who could really benefit from folks out here focusing on, but but then because they're not here because they haven't had access to those resources, the valley isn't focused on those problems.
0: Right. But okay, sure, sure. But like, when in history has there really been a successful a successful campaign to target a problem and then fix it? It seems like the most of the great problems are end up being solved indirectly.
1: Oh yeah. So, so don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not talking about um, Silicon Valley starting up. I mean, for like a Manhattan style project to to take root here would be very much against the, uh, again, like I, I speak with a limited, I speak with a limited amount of data out here. So, so. But but my experience of the culture is that would not work. That's just not the way it works. I'm not I'm not talking about someone coming in and saying these are the problems we have to solve. What I'm talking about is like I think we need to find ways of either bringing oh, I, I, <laughs> diversity is is this funny word right? And people you hear the word diversity and people think. Um, people think of it in very superficial terms but I think diversity is a phenomenal thing because it brings really different perspectives to a problem I think what this monoculture is is uh, the argument I'm making about this monoculture is that the lack of diversity of opportunity out here is resulting in Silicon Valley narrowing its focus on the types of problems it solves and it's going to result in it if it if it continues selling itself short in terms of the potential it could really have on the world. So I mean
0: I think it's one of those things I theoretically I I agree with you. Um just based on the history of kind of worry in this in this sort of area and the fact that it still keeps, you know, changing the world. Um I guess I'm 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 a bit more skeptical. And and I, I think hope you're right. And, and any I really do. And anytime you you look at a problem and propose a solution, like you need to look at the flip side. So yes, so totally. The 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 most obvious counter to any sort of system that's based on uh you know pure privilege um, or you know opportunity is one that's you know quote unquote merit. And of course, people say, oh, we have a merit system, et cetera. Like I said, anytime you have any sort of a subjective criteria, it's by definition, not going to be fully meritorious. Um, right. Where that is the case is uh, is here, um, particularly in, in in so in ancient Chinese history. There, I mean, I'm going to totally like bastardize this, but in ancient Chinese history basically mm-hmm. there was to avoid the issues of corruption and all sort of stuff. Like all the all the government positions and court positions and stuff were filled with these tests. Uh, you had you had to whoever got the highest score on these like on these super difficult. Tests mm. um, got the best positions, and they were very highly esteemed. Um, that, you know, not like bureaucrats in the U.S. They're very highly esteemed positions, very very well paid, very honorable. And so people, and so even if your father was in had this sort of job, you you had you had no chance, um, whatever. And then the the other thing too is all the all the schools taught the same curriculum and were theoretically, you know, the idea was like you you bring people up um, right. to have. A, and it's it's as meritorious as can be, and in some respects, it, it 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 worked. I mean, obviously, there is there's a lot of corruption in China, um, but a lot of that is has really arisen as capitalism has taken hold of as a system. Um, this particular system is actually still pretty pretty strong. Um, so the problem is though, like all this, like all this standardization, all this all this testing, and all this sort of system. Um, there's there's some really good effects like it really does raise the f- it does have effect on corruption in some of these positions. Two, it does raise the floor. Um, like y- you're going to get a decent education in the basics. Um, you know, I- I'm not asking with China, but certainly in Taiwan, in any school, even in the the, the poorer parts of the country, like you're going to get a good, a decent education. But the flip side is. You're lowering the ceiling anytime you raise the floor you're, you're almost by def you are lowering the ceiling in that you're you're because you're hurting everyone towards this one goal like you're whopping off the creativity you're whopping mm-hmm. off the expression you're whopping off the ability to do something and this is the this is the pushback I have on anyone who's ever critical of Silicon Valley and I am often in that case mm-hmm. is that there is a significant opportunity cost with messing with what is clearly working even if on a very visible side there's tons of waste and all this money and like the success rate of the st- of startups is arguably worse than it should be because people aren't taking the time to make sure they're tackling real problems mm. um but how can you argue at a big picture level with anything that's happened in the last 50 years
1: yeah right and I I think your point's well made and I I certainly wouldn't want um, folks to mistake what i'm advocating for is that the government to come along and start tinkering oh no no
0: i'm not saying
1: that that either yeah no 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 i and well it's worth being explicit about because like the way that 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 description of the chinese education system i i'm i'm not advocating for for (laughs) for such i mean it sounds like it works for china and i've uh, and taiwan and uh you know i'm i'm like everybody should go figure out what works best for them I'm not saying one system is right or another is wrong um, I don't know enough about the Chinese system but I guess what I mean what I was saying before I guess was more on the problem identification side of things I think I think we're starting to drive into solution side of things and I think part of the solution is just having this conversation and making people aware of the fact that look, you know you're out here you've been blessed with this amazing opportunity and like it's time to like there's scope to to give a lot back and there, there are a whole series of problems out there that could really be solved that we don't even know exists and there are there are simple things that would be highly beneficial to do um, so you you finish your job in Silicon Valley or you decide you're going to quit rather than just taking the next job. What about taking a few months off and traveling and and going somewhere where you haven't been before and, and interacting with people that you haven't seen, like, like a culture that you don't understand or, or like a country that's much less fortunate than the US and going and seeing what life's like there and then have those experiences and bring it back. I, I mean, I think that's the kind of conversation. I think that's that's the kind of thing that i'm advocating for more of rather than saying uh you know what i think there should be some merit based system as to whether you're able to come out here or not oh, I f- f- yes i didn't I, I did not mean to say that that was your that was your
0: proposed solution um but uh, but but actually let me let me just because i'm feeling contrarian um you're feeling no pu-
1: push push you on you're that you're not I'm, feeling contrarian i
0: all right, so so you say well, maybe someone needs to go and, and travel or whatever. Right. You, so is the going? What, what's the benefit
1: that they're getting from from this going on? It's eight? it's exposure to a different set of problems. It's exposure to something that they hadn't seen before. It's broadening their horizons. I mean, again, it's this idealistic streak that I think runs out here. People want to solve big problems, but I I think there's it's, this they don't know what they don't know in a sense in that. Um, that there's a big skew towards the types of things that are appealing, and I, I guess that's natural as well. But uh, I don't know. I can't help but wonder whether um, there's an element of of uh, go out, see the world, travel, um, and and and, uh, and experience experience very different things to what you experience when you when you fortunate a lot, enough to live in this part of the world. I mean, so I, let let me give you an example of of try and ground it right so i was i was recently at an event and i was talking about the the enormous benefits and the disruptive potential of online education the MOOCs like khan academy and how they could you know you develop this curriculum once and it can be taught anywhere and it would like once you've Figure out different learning styles. You can tailor it to different learning styles, and there are all these massive advantages of doing this. And I mean, I know a couple of folks at the Khan Academy, and I personally think what they're doing is absolutely phenomenal. Um, not long after I spoke, there was a gentleman who worked in the Chicago local government who stood up and and he, he wasn't disagreeing. It wasn't disagreeing with any of what I had said, but he's like, you know, you guys out there, you really you have a very idealized view of the problem. You know, you think that if you develop this perfect curriculum and you just make it free to the world, then you're going to solve all the problems. Well, let me tell you about what it's like to live as a kid in a rough Chicago neighborhood. Like, you're not even sure you're going to be able to walk to school and get there safely. Um, You, you come home at night and you're not in an environment where it's conducive to to (coughs) watching online videos. And to be honest, you're going to be lucky if you even have a computer back there. Um, There are all these things that you, you know, and it's not to disparage what you're doing, but there's an idealized view of how to solve the problems. But the way that you solve these, these very tough um, problems, they're, they're like messy, they're, they're hard to solve. And when you've spent your life in an environment like the one the ones that you guys have been fortunate enough to spend your lives in you just don't realize that because that those problems have never been your problems and so i guess that's what that's i i really took that to heart and it's not and again I, i'm not criticizing khan or the MOOCs or any of these technology firms because i love them i i think that what they do is awesome and it's a big part of the draw for me to be out here, is seeing all the amazing things that people are doing. But there's this sense that um, there's this sense that we've we've uh, we've been so lucky that we don't see the richness of the the difficulty of the problems, and so we only partially solve them. Yeah, no, I, I actually
0: just to just to uh, bring it really home to the tech audience, I, I read this um, uh, one of Paul Graham's old articles. This is back in two thousand six, maybe. Um, but it they just reminded me of an anecdote in here where he was talking about, like, potential problem spaces to be solved. And one of his things was that, um, I'll just read the paragraph. For example, or one good, this is completely not related to, to programming. It's about programming languages. One especially good groove to, I'm quoting, one especially good groove to span is the one between tools and things made with them. For example, programming languages and applications are usually driven by, written by different people, and this is responsible for a lot of the worst flaws in programming languages. I think every language should be designed simultaneously with a large application written in it, the way C was with Unix. Um, and it, it, the idea is that if you're not experiencing the the use case, how can you realistically develop
1: the the solution? Um, and there we go. I mean, that's like that's such a nice way of articulating what I've been trying to say is that because. Because there are so many people out here who've been so fortunate, and the only people who are able to be out here increasingly are the ones that are so fortunate. Then then they're not able to build the, the, the solution in a way that's actually going to solve the problem that they hope right. to solve. Right.
0: even though they want even though like their intentions are super great and they really right. want to solve the problems, it's like despite their great intentions, they're not doing as good of work they could do. Because right. of the lack of experience of of
1: what right. life's really like. And I would say I would say also that's that's the best case. The worst case is that they that we don't even really realise that the problem exists because we haven't had a sibling, we haven't had someone go off and fight in a war, we haven't had a parent who's um who's become homeless because they lost their job because they're over this age because those are just not the problems we have and so. We don't. We're not exposed to them, so we're we're not really trying to solve them. Or if we are, we're trying to solve them as part of a bigger problem, as opposed to specifically building it around that. And that's where I think there's just I don't know. Well, I, th-
0: I think there, there. I think what what is the silver lining in this cloud, though, is, um, you know, the way, you know, like what I think one of the I had a Twitter exchange, exchange a part of it, it was to kind of talking about this, but like, you know, I think um, the uh, the. The number and importance, I think of of companies and products that are being built outside of Silicon Valley, in my opinion, is is definitely increasing. I think it's primarily increasing. Um, certainly in the United States, it is, you know there's more in like New York and stuff like that. but it, especially I think here in Asia, you're seeing a lot. and they and a lot of them are off the radar completely in the United States because they're not even focused on the United States as as a customer. Um, hmm. which is because it's no, it's no longer the biggest market but I think there's a few things um, about this and so you're seeing a lot more things and people in these area who are ex- this area who are experiencing the problems here are making solutions
1: for products here so, so that's really interesting what, because what, if what, you think that society is is stratifying inside some of these developed countries like it is in the US you have to start to wonder whether some of the solutions that solve the problems that people less, the, the less fortunate folks are facing are actually Actually, not going to come from inside the U.S., but are going to come from are are going to get developed from by people in China. Well, no, that's
0: that's exactly what I think is going to happen. But like, what's great about it is it's interesting to think about why this has happened. Um, I think one of the big reasons why this is happening in other countries is it's really really hard. I think one of the great there's to unravel the the what makes Silicon Valley Silicon Valley is impossible. Like it's just the right mixture of all kinds of stuff, half of mm-hmm. which we don't even know what it is. Sure. But certainly a part of it in my estimation is the is the availability of capital for nothing more than an idea. Like right. to to make something particularly to make something 20 years ago, um, if you wanted to set up something that had a web service uh, you needed a Sun server, which was fifty thousand dollars. You needed a database from Oracle, which was who knows how much. Like you needed all this. Like it was several hundred thousand dollars in capital costs just to get off right. the ground before you even thought about salaries or anything on those lines. Sure. And so the to even get started as a tech company, you 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 needed people willing to invest on in an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside Silicon Valley, there weren't that many people willing to do that. Today, you can rent capacity, all the capital capacity you need on AWS or Rackspace or whatever. Um, you can work in your spare time. You can use open source frameworks and tools. Uh, and you can you can build something that is demonstrable and is a usable product uh, for less than a couple thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, And I mean totally. And
0: and, so, and that makes it so much easier to get investment in in these different cultures that don't have that sort of like like there's there's such a degree of faith that goes into the the investing culture in Silicon Valley. It's like right, you know, like yes, I know most of you are gonna flame out, but like just this is, this is the way we do it. We invest in in stuff like this, and even in Silicon Valley now, you're seeing the shift, right? You're no one's no one's investing on an idea very much these days, right? Because they it's an expectation that you have because it's so easier to get started that there, there's something more tangible there, right? Um, which. I, it's interesting to think we could have a discussion about, we should maybe talk about VC more, but it's interesting how that's actually making, requiring more investment later on because there's so much competition to stand out, like takes that that much more money. But in the front end, it takes way less. Um, And that's nice in Silicon Valley, but what's really interesting is in other markets, it lets you get investment more easily than you could before. And lets those products be developed. I think it's why you're seeing stuff, you know, stuff like that.
1: Right. And I I mean... So, so there are two components to this, and one is the story about that inside the United States, and one is the story outside the United States. Oh, oh and- so,
0: so it's actually, I'm going to make the, the, the thing, the thing, the thing to point out though is all this is being um, done by Silicon Valley. And I'm including Amazon and in the Seattle area in that, right? And Rackspace, sure. I think Rackspace is in Rackspace, like Texas or something. Um, so, but the point yes. is like like there is like. It's almost like the United States and Silicon Valley is moving up the stack as it were or down the stack or whatever like they're they're building more of these foundational elements and the the edges that are actually touching people um, are being developed more locally it's almost like if you were to think of tech as like a a corporation right there's the there's the main office that's taking care of all the broadly used functions and then the local offices are attuning the products to the local markets and needs and sensibilities it's all from a pure theoretical standpoint it actually almost
1: makes a lot more sense right i mean and so so it's interesting because I I completely agree. I think that the the capital and everything that's required to start one of these businesses is reducing and Silicon Valley or a bunch of tech firms are, are behind that. But a good friend of mine, Max Wessel, wrote, um, wrote a really interesting article on the HBR um, Harvard Business Review, um, basically looking at some of the numbers on um, successful outcomes for startups. And what's interesting is despite the fact that um, these technologies have made it more, uh, more, uh, much easier for people to start these technology businesses up. The outcomes are skewing even more heavily to um, places like Silicon Valley. So the outcomes for Silicon Valley, for Silicon Alley, or New York and Boston have continued to in- improve. Um, looking at startup outcomes but the the places outside of those super hubs as he terms them are actually they're not they're not looking that good and you you actually put yourself at a distinct disadvantage if you decide to build a business and you do it outside one of these super hubs so what's interesting is despite the fact that theoretically it's 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 becoming easier for you to start one of these businesses wherever you are, at least in the US. The numbers will not run internationally, but at least in the US, there are these massive um, cluster advantages from going to the places, the the super hubs, where it's attracting the right engineers, the capital is there, and they're much more likely to back you if they can see and touch you, Um, the... the, um, the, the 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 press are all focused on these areas as opposed to other areas. There are all these um there are all these network effects that are, despite it getting easier to start things elsewhere, it's actually making it's I won't say there's a direct causal relationship, but the observation is it's becoming more important to go to these hubs rather than less.
0: Right. No, I think yeah, and I, I think that's, um no, it is' an interesting to think about like, it, but I think it's actually related. the fact that it's easier to get started, um, just means the 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 what's required to stand out, the bar is that much higher. It's like the the location of the bar has been moved. Um, whereas previously to even get off the ground was really hard. so not that many people did. So once you got started, um, like your your chances of success were arguably higher. whereas now because everyone can get started. Um, to stand out is much more difficult. Like if you were, if you, it's it's easier to have influence um, if you're a columnist for the New York Times in the 1970s. It's easy to have influence, right? You don't have that much competition. But it's really fucking hard to become a columnist for the New York Times. Right. Whereas today, uh, I can write a blog that has a potential audience infinitely larger. Well, not infinitely, but a whole lot larger than the New York Times in the 1970s did. But the chances of my opinion being heard just because I wrote it down are way, 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 way lower because there's so much competition because it's all everything's been made free. Right. Um, and I think it's the same, and arguably it's more difficult to have your voice heard in a meaningful well, it depends. It, it it all depends on your frame of reference. Like if you look at where you're at, like to have written words and to have them heard all things being equal is more difficult today. Like it's harder, like Paul Krugman is probably the most famous New York Times columnist or Thomas Friedman um, right. or whoever. Like, but they, they have way less, they have, like their, maybe their absolute numbers, their absolute numbers are probably higher than before, but their relative influence within the the sphere of people who, yeah. who influence such things is relatively much smaller than, than it was before.
1: No, I, I'd agree with that. And I, I mean- Let's let's bring this back though to the earlier discussion. I I, I wonder whether that effect is uh, is related to uh, this this observation inside the valley of uh, it, it's becoming harder and harder to 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 stand out, and therefore those people who've had all those opportunities. And 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 maybe this isn't the valley's fault. Like, and and I'm certainly not meaning to sound like it is, but it's becoming harder and harder for people who haven't had these string of opportunities to get out here to to be successful to start a business, and therefore the things that they're focusing on, the problems that they've had, are very different from the problems that the vast majority of people have. And yeah, so, I don't know. I, I
0: feel like there might be a bit of good old day bias here. Where yeah, maybe. Totally. I, I mean, I. It, to to have been, say, in the 90s, like right. to have been a, a entrepreneur of co- or a prospective entrepreneur of consequence, you likely had a computer in the early 90s to late 80s, which almost by definition meant your family was well off. Like, whereas today, everyone has a computer. Re, you know, I mean, not everyone, but in the United States, the majority, large majority of, of homes have a computer. Um I should probably check that reference before I get myself in trouble. Um, but the point being like that that bar, it's, this, it's the exact same thing as we're talking about with like startup costs and with like being a, a columnist or a writer. Right. Like the the upfront bar is way lower now than it has ever been before. Um, so what's happening is the bar is just being moved farther down the road. And the fact of the matter is there will always be some kind of bar somewhere. And, and certainly... Um, we should be cognizant about you know that we're not yeah we should be cognizant of privilege but at the same time like man i'm always wary to mess with what works it, <clears throat> is, when, it, when it comes to something like
1: this i guess it's i'm not advocating messing for it i'm just advocating <laughs> for awareness of being future, thoughtful. I guess. Yeah. yes no and how th- can you argue with that